Hey everyone, it is Matt from NeosAz.com and Stars and Character again, and I just wanted to do a quick intro to this episode because we're pulling another one from the archives. We did have a Best of Fives episode ready for this. Chris and Dave recorded another great episode, but when I looked at the calendar and saw that this Monday was May the 4th, I figured it would probably be more appropriate and more in the spirit of everything that we release an episode where all four of us were together. So, since we've been lucky enough to record so many episodes of so many series, including Stars and Character, I haven't had to dig into the archives all that much during this quarantine or the stay-at-home orders or whatever your area is calling it. So I really had no trouble finding an episode with all four of us that hasn't been released on the general feed before. And this is from our last appearance at the Great Philadelphia Comic Con. And it is all about Slave One, Jango Fett slash Boba Fett's ship from the Star Wars saga. So without any further ado, here is a formerly exclusive episode for everyone on May the 4th featuring Slave One. This is Star Wars in Character, the podcast that takes a closer look at some of the elements that make up the Star Wars universe. Backstories, histories, and details you never knew, wanted to know, or ever need to know. Now here are this week's panelists of Star Wars in Character. Hello and welcome to this special episode of Star Wars and Character from the Great Philadelphia Comic Con. Con, Con, Con. <laughs> not really from it. Yeah, for it. But, but, oh yeah, I guess for it. Yeah, because we might record a special from it, but this isn't right. that special. It's going to be guaranteed we're going to be recording something. You received this we always episode. Say, we always say we guarantee we're going to get hours and hours of recording at this convention. We never do shit. That's a point. <laughs> like balls for all. We're going to record everything. We didn't record anything. Yeah. I blame Dave for that. <laughs> Get your preparation. I blame us having way too good a time. Yeah, that's like, I didn't. I didn't want to put anyone on the spot or interrupt what we were doing that night. Yeah, that was, it was too much fun to like be holding a camera all night long. <laughs> but this event isn't that fun, so we might record. <laughs> <laughs> no, just kidding. <laughs> we will see. It's... it's April 22nd, 23rd, 24th is when that Great Fit Up Comic Con is happening, Dave. And we'll be there. Or we it did happen, and this is where and you picked that up. There. Yes. And you already met so us. Fast. You already shook our hands. We it was nice a, meeting you. It was wonderful Handsome. meeting you. You you were that shirt you were wearing, man. I Remember that you. guy? Yeah, yeah. What's On account of the IO. Yeah. <laughs> and the girl that was with you. Oh, and, my God. You see those things? No, let's not get carried away. Okay. <laughs> This episode is a special one because it features one of the coolest ships in the Star Wars galaxy. Yeah, we'll see about that. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Slave One. Now, I was looking into this real fast to see where it appears in, and it says Attack of the Clones and, and Empire Strikes Back. Yes. Is that in Jedi? Nope. Okay. And I'll tell you why when we get okay. to that point of the story. Because I was like, I thought it would would be if he's in it, but okay. You right. would think so until you find out why not. Well, <laughs> these names are not that good. Oh. <laughs> My name is Fire Spray 31 Class Patrol Attack Craft Chris. Well, I can skip past my first paragraph. <laughs> um... Today, I am joined by Homing Missiles Matt. And my fourth paragraph. That's not a paragraph. No, nah, no. Um, to my left is Dummy Proton Torpedoes Dave. Dummy? Dummy. I don't talk about that. You stupid. You big dummy. And Timmature Tractor Beam. <laughs> <laughs> I know what these, I know what that is. Timmature instead of what? Miniature. <laughs> <laughs> Immature. He goes, nanu, 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 I caught you. <laughs> Slave one, Matt, tell us all about this fine ship. I will tell you all about this fine ship. As you said in your opening name, it is a customized and modified fire spray 31 class patrol and attack ship. And I don't know if you said it or not, but it was most famously owned by Django Fett, then Boba Fett. Ooh, but not solely owned by them, as we're going to learn here very soon. So. What does that mean, fire spray? Fire spray. That's the name of the ship. In fact, that is where I'm starting right off explaining what the ship is, and then we'll get into what Slave One is in its history. So that's like a name. That's like an X-Wing or a Y-Wing. 
<clears throat> or an airspeeder. That that's the name of it. That's the name of the ship. It was designed by Kuwait Systems Engineering, and that was the name of the ship. Does that make sense? Right. Like a it's like a uh, what do you call it? A Ford Focus. All right, I yeah, Ford Focus. <laughs> I was going to say we're no Alliance, and I don't know why. A Dodge Dart. <laughs> yeah. I I thought you were meant like it was a like literally spraying fire like it was a fire spray i was like i don't remember seeing that crap in those movies i guess if you wanted to stretch your imagination a little bit one of the standard weapons they had on it was that quick fire laser dual laser cannon that we see Django fett fire against uh obi-wan in the asteroid field so i guess you could call that a fire spray a fire of lasers okay but i don't necessarily think that's true i think it was just like the model name of this ship Okay. So they, and ironically, actually bringing that scene up, this is their most famous ship and probably their second most recognized ship in the Star Wars galaxy for us would be the Delta 7 uh, Atherespic class light interceptor, aka uh, Obi Wan's fighter in that scene we're talking about. So it was two Kuwait system oh. engineering ships fighting each other in this scene with that awesome sound effect. Yes. Yeah, from right the here. seismic charges. Yep. The dubstep in the middle of that movie. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> so it was designed, as the description implies, as a patrol and transport ship. It was intended to be kind of a like a police car ship. It had a little bit of room for transporting prisoners and some cargo space. And that was its main uh, intent when it was first built. In fact, the... Uh, Holding cells for it were designed to contain just about every life form that they knew in the galaxy. So it was strengthened for, I guess, maybe wampas, maybe large enough for rancors. I don't know that rancors would specifically break the law law because they're more beast like. But I guess, uh, I guess, like Mayo, the guy we just talked about a few episodes ago, he was pretty tough and strong. So they probably reinforced it to ensure they could lock in his species, that kind of thing. They studied what the toughest thing would be in this in this holding cell and made sure it was strong enough to hold them. Cause that that ship does not honestly does does not look that big. No, there's a little bit of a discrepancy in the community about whether or not the slave one that Django Fett was flying and the slave one Boba Fett was flying were actually the same ship because the cockpit looks a hell of a lot smaller when Boba Fett's flying it in Empire than it yeah. does in Attack of the Clones. Yeah, true. Yeah, maybe it's like Doctor Who's. It's know, a TARDIS. Box. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So this this uh, as far as defenses, its main defense was that it was like really heavily armored, and because of the heavy armor, it wasn't as fast as most fighters as, as an X-wing, but it did able it was able to reach speeds that a Y-wing could, and its maneuverability was pretty on par as well. So even though it was heavily armored and a little awkward looking, it was still pretty fast, pretty quick, made some tight turns, pretty easy to maneuver. But one weird ass thing about it, which I thought since day one of seeing it, is that it lands on his back so that yeah. the yeah. pilot is staring up into the sky wherever he goes to land and take off. Yeah, that's why so, the chair rotates in the uh, toy. It doesn't a toy, but it doesn't. We see little Boba trying to steer that thing and like trying to peek over the window. So clearly the pilot yeah. sees in the actual ship don't move. So it doesn't do it in, in the movies, but it did it yeah, in the toy. It's like where Kenner decided, well, that's a dumb design. Let's fix this. Yeah. <laughs> so the toy was more effective. Than <laughs> exactly. Yeah. See, I never knew that it did that. I've never owned a Slave One toy. Never in my life. Uh, I didn't know that the cockpit did that. Yeah, that was always when you played with that toy. And especially if you hadn't really remembered from the movie how it flew, when you played with it, you either flew it the way that it flew in the movies or you flew it as kind of like a hovercraft. Yeah. Like with mm. the rockets facing down and you would you would you would make it fly in the position that it would that it would set down. So it was kind of like up to you how you wanted to do it as a kid. Okay. Choose your own flying position. Yeah. I mean it had the handle on the bottom. Yes. For you to hold on to and that and that little trigger in there also maneuvered the wings like you could lock them in a certain position if you let go of that trigger the wings would move hmm. but i remember flying it the, the wrong way just because it looked like it shouldn't have been flying the way that it was how did you fly it like with the engines pointing down at the ground yeah yes. almost like a, like a hovercraft would that's fly. how i like 
I know I saw Empire Strikes Back as a kid. I didn't have the ship, but um, I, a couple friends did. In fact, my cousin did. I remember playing with it. I remember picking it up and instinctively flying it like that and being corrected. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, you're, you're right. That's not what it did. But it's like that's the way it feels like it should go when you pick the ship up and look at it. Yeah, exactly. Because it, it doesn't look like it should work the way that it, <laughs> it does, does work. Yeah. But then once you do it and you see the movie, you, you probably adapt to yeah. To doing it the way it is in the film. But I always remember being confused by that as a little kid. They don't really show it very clearly flying that way, do they, in Empire? I know there's the quick scene where they're in the, like, around the asteroids and you know, that thing. But you only see it real quick at the end flying away. And I think a lot of kids might not have remembered that. I think when it takes off, when Han thinks he's going to float away the garbage... And yeah. he, he is doing it, and, and so is Boba Fett. And he flies away, and the Millennium Falcon takes off. It it You see the, the you know, whatever you want to call them, the rockets yeah. ignite, and it takes off after him. It flies in the correct position. And I remember when I was little thinking, like, he didn't wait very long to start chasing yeah. him. Yeah. It's like yeah. in movies when, when the cops are tailing somebody, they at least put a few car lengths between each other. <laughs> yeah. He takes off and he takes off like right behind him. Like, yeah, I'm like, it's like well, there's, a piece, there's a piece of flying trash behind There's us. probably an explanation for that that we'll get into a little bit later, but I can offer it now. I mean, I'm assuming there's no rear view mirrors on the ship because we don't see any on my Falcon. <laughs> They're using sensors. Well, in fact, I, I'll just go right into Slave 1 here and, and add to it. I'll do it in a little out of order order here um the ship like a ship i said the ship was heavily armored but it also had some armaments as well it had cannons and missiles but both Django and boba fett pretty much modified it almost on a daily basis since they owned it and one of the things that they both added to it mainly boba actually was countermeasures to other ship sensors to either hide it like a stealth bomber or even confuse it to think it's something else like maybe a piece of trash so boba may have activated that particular defense before he took off so that the Millennium falcon would have never seen it in the first place on its sensors okay well that that makes sense and i think that covers that kind of very small plot hole that han solo is so astute that he knows that he can float over the garbage, but he doesn't see somebody else doing it at the exact same time he's doing <laughs> right, it. Right, yeah. <laughs> it makes him seem stupid. Right. So that actually covers that up. Okay. Well, good. I'm glad I could offer that. I should quit while I'm ahead. Do I make, <laughs> do I make that joke every time I host the show? I don't. I do, don't I? Don't I? If you do, I don't remember. Okay, then. Well, I'll just keep using it. So, <laughs> okay. <laughs> now... Uh, I wasn't quite sure. I know I wanted to do this episode. I was like, I want to learn about Slave 1, but I was like, I'm not sure what I'm going to talk about. Am I going to talk about its features, its statistics? Is it going to get that boring? I didn't realize that there's like a kind of a history behind events that involve Slave 1 that I actually had a lot of fun putting together. So that's where I'm going with this next. So, and just even to start with this is how Django Fett, Django Fett was in a sense, the original sole uh, owner of Slave One, even though it was assigned to a different purpose at first. And that's the story I'm going to start off with here. Now, the reason, the, the question that came to my mind researching this is, if this was a produced ship by a company, why haven't we ever seen any before? And that is the crux of this story. Slave One was part of initial, an initial six-ship prototype build. And the ship was being used as police vehicles, kind of like I described, on an asteroid prison mm-hmm. called OVO-4. And it was a maximum security prison. It held like the worst of the worst of the Galactic Republic, and it was named Desolation Alley. A Django Fett snuck into Desolation Alley with his original ship, which was called Jaster's Legacy, which is a oh, horrible name. It is. <laughs> to break out a smuggler ma- named Bendix Foost. Now... <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't breaking him out to free him. He was going to get him because the drug cartel that this Foost guy ratted on and trade for a reduced sentence put this huge bounty on his head. So he was breaking him out in order to take him back to the drug, the drug cartel and collect the bounty. So he wasn't doing this guy a favor. He was actually putting him in more danger. Was this in the video game? For some reason, I this sounds like a level in that Django know. game. It could be. I really don't know. Okay. Um, I want to say no because the pictures of this Foose guy were look like comic pictures. Okay, 
So, but along the way, Django ran into another bounty hunter, one we've done an episode on, Zam Wessel. Mm. And she was there for the same reason. So Django and Zam kind of co-broke him out, fought through a gauntlet of guards, and they were the closest ship to, uh, of course, alarm sounded, they're in danger. The closest ship, Django's ship was closer than Zam, so they headed to Django's ship. Just once it got, once Jaster's legacy got in eyesight, uh, one of those fire spray patrol ships blew it up. Mm-hmm. Ah. So he backtracked to the hangar where the other five fire spray class ships were stored. He jumped on one, fired it up, got it off the ground. On his way out, blew up the other four that were in the hangar bay, and for good measure, blew up that last one that destroyed his ship, thus making Slave One now the only fire spray 31 class ship in the entire galaxy. Well, Take that, cool. you sons of bitches. You <laughs> shall not follow Jungle Fett. That's pretty galaxy. Yeah, it's cool to know that that's the last of its kind, and it's the last of its kind because he made it. Yeah, right. Yep. Hot scares. Hot scares. (laughs) Hot scares. And there's a there's like a little, not really a side note, but even a little further bit of depth into the story, which I always enjoy when this happens. And I think David said he has as well. This there was the details are actually written that this had some financial repercussions for the manufacturer for that quit systems engineering. Since these are prototypes, they weren't really on the market yet. In fact, they were in this asteroid prison, this Desolation Alley, kind of as a demo phase to show what they could do. So they hadn't collected any money for them. In fact, they invested a lot of money on them. And now they're at a total loss. So at this point, they just cut their losses and changed the entire focus and business model at the time from new ship manufacturing to now starship upgrading. So because of this one incident, incident, they had to reshift their entire corporate structure in order to remain viable. I don't know why I found that neat, but I liked that little bit of the story. Yeah, I see. We've gone from making spaceships to making the, chocolate bars. To make, yeah, we make soda. <laughs> Jangle that, that, juice. Yeah, that kind of stuff is cool. But that, that they Someone spent that much time paying attention to that kind of detail that not only was this a cool little story and an action story and it was only ship, it also had a business consequence. Yes, yeah. It, it reminds me of um, how uh, Rex screwed up the very first Star Tours sightseeing tour so bad that the company almost went out of business that part of the story of his of his backstory yeah yeah like makes it more meta for yeah. some reason yes. like something like that yeah so now Django's got his new ship he names it slave one he's got it for the rest of his life and he does some upgrading on it i'll go through some things real quick because it's none are that interesting but they kind of just write this into the story to catch it up to where we see him uh, outside Geonosis. So he adds another set of twin blaster cannons. He adds two rapid fire uh, laser cannons, two projectile launchers with proton torpedoes, one mine layer with nine void, seven seismic charges. Those are the things that we see with the really cool sound. Wow. And for defenses, I love this because there's absolutely no explanation. For defenses, he added a static discharge port. What's that? Exactly. No idea. I oh. just picture it as a farting mechanism on Slave One. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I have one of those too. And it was free. It didn't cost me anything. <laughs> right. <Yep. laughs> so, uh, and really, as far as Slave One goes, it it's kind of uneventful. It's, it's Django at this point, Django upgrading it, Django flying it around the galaxy. And we get up to Geonosis, and we've all seen that fight in the asteroid field. And then he dies at the Battle of Geonosis at the hands of Tim's favorite character, Mace Windu. (laughs) And Boba Boba Fett immediately took the ship, which is, I mean, he's obviously a capable pilot the way he turned it 90 degrees on the Camino platform. I mean, that was pretty skillful. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) The way he peeked over the glass and, and turned it a little bit. I mean, clearly he can fly it and just take it at that young age. You know, why not? And what did he yeah. say, Tim? Ah! <laughs> get him, Dad. Get him. Get him, Dad. You know the that best. guy. You shouldn't be making fun of him. He's your buddy. Fire! Fire, Dad. He's <laughs> like Frankenstein. Fire, bad. <laughs> yeah. You're. I thought you were. I thought you were homies with that guy, Tim. He's homies with everybody. I felt cheated. <laughs> oh. Okay. 
I thought I was his homie. It turns out he's got other homies too that he didn't tell me about. <laughs> Salty. Did I ever tell you about how he screwed up a giant uh, setup at Star Wars Weekends? No. Okay, he was at Star Wars Weekends the same weekend Warwick Davis was there, and they were doing the, their the uh, was it James Arnold Taylor was doing his talk show thing. It was, it was actually a really good show, and it involved the thing of trivia. Well, apparently Daniel got like slaughtered. And to make it a little more eventful, they put a plant in the audience that was there to help Daniel. They even did a whole set of it. It's like, now, Daniel, you didn't do so well in the last one. That's my James Arnold Taylor, by the way. You didn't do so well in the last trivia. And let's see if we can get a super fan out there to help. And there's a guy who's got, like, the biggest, bluest headband on his head. And it's, like, obviously a plant. And he comes down there. And he's like, he's like what's your name? Oh, my name's Derek. Well, Derek, why don't you join us here today? And then, And then Daniel Logan goes immediately, go, hey, nice to see you again. I'm like, you moron you just 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 set up the fact that you've rehearsed this and this guy's a plant nice to see you again yeah yep (laughs) (laughs) that's funny so he seems like a nice guy oh you know with that no i I don't really say that to discredit him or anything (laughs) it just was a funny moment it's like well so much for the the suspension of disbelief in this this little bit now Just and the other guy's like, I'm sorry, I don't know who you are. We have never seen each other before. What Dave's is your name? Don't you mean Mr. for the first time, Daniel? David Largan? Is that what that's <laughs> You want to hear me do Hong Kong Fooey? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, back to Slave One. So now from here, this is where it gets fun because the first bit of history with Boba Fett owning the ship is like a constant battle of him losing it and getting it back. He's like no good at keeping this ship. The very this this is when he's still like a teenager on these cartoons and stuff. Oh yeah, this is like there's some Clone Wars. This is pretty much all from like Geonosis to the end of the run of Clone Wars, and then for some reason he finally matures yep. and knows how to put an alarm system, put the club on it or something. I don't know how he finally <laughs> it's finally stops getting <laughs> stolen. But the very first person to steal it was a guy named Hadrachi, or no, I'm sorry, it was the species is Hadrachi, and his name was Gigon, I think. <laughs> and Hadrachi is a cameloid, and it looks like a smaller Salt Marie, but with a turban. A cam uh. his name a cameloid and he looks like a camel. Yes, yeah, he looks like you know you know how salt uh, salt marie kind of looks like Joe Camel. Yeah, looks like that but smaller. His not head not as big and he's wearing a turban. Come on, his name is Camel Toy. Any Camel Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so Slave One was damaged and Boba took it to the uh, Bogdan system for repair and he landed on this Gagon's platform not knowing this dude was a complete crook that like tended to steal ships that landed on his platform tear them down and sell them off for parts. So this Gagoin, or whatever this guy's name is, convinced Boba Fett, oh, yeah. Pr- What's that? I think it's pronounced just John. G-J-O-N. Yeah, John. That could be it. I like Gagoin. <laughs> John's. One of them John's. Yeah, so, yeah I feel like John's. John's. So he convinced them the ship was safe. It's fine. It'll be here for repairs. Don't worry about it. You worry too much about it. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't, don't worry. We're professionals. Don't worry about not that. that. Don't worry about that. <laughs> and don't think too much. It may not turn out right. <laughs> so pretty much, pretty much the moment Boba turns his back, he takes off the ship. He just leaves and goes to the nearby moon where his chop shop was. Wow. And he starts tearing, and he's about to start tearing Slave One apart. Well, Boba intercepts him and intercepts the ship before it can start being torn apart. And apparently, no hard feelings. Like, ah, you just give me my ship back. And the two join forces what? with another oh. friend of Boba's called, it's A I A, Aya, I'll say, to take down a counterfeiting ring back on the planet. So even though uh. he stole his damn ship, was about to chop it up, he still joins forces with them. And for this counterfeiting ring. It sounds like a pushover. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. This is not a good backstory well, because I don't like it when they when they make you think bad things about characters you love. I, was just, I, I have right in my notes. Isn't this like the Boba Fett we know at this point kind of just punish him on a spot? Not just kill him, but we, yeah. we've we learned he does like long drawn out deaths. He left um, Dengar in what, the desert of a thousand winds or something where there's going to be, he's going to be chipped to death yeah. by the sand, the giant sand chunks or something. He, wouldn't he have done something to this guy like horrific that we know? 
Yeah. No. Nope. That's that, not, that's what would fit in with the character development. Not when he was a kid, apparently. Come on. Cut off your chunson. Feed <laughs> it to my dad. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, not much longer after this. <laughs> Who is he? Da. What da. is he? Da. <laughs> <laughs> he jumped off his Where head. Where is he at? Over there. <laughs> May chopped off his head. <laughs> so not much long like not much longer at all after this like within the year boba fett and slave one were captured by the bounty hunter or Singh. now she was working for count dooku at the time and as payment dooku let her keep slave one so he lost it again <laughs> well once again boba recovered it and once again no hard feelings because he teamed up with Ora Singh and boss to work a mission together right after this Boba Fett's a wuss. <laughs> wait, now, now this this is in one of the episodes of the Clone Wars, and I never got the impression that he was captured or was, um, you know, owned, quote, by Aura Singh. I always just got the impression that she was, like, mentoring him. Like, Django, like, I, I guess there was this brotherhood of bounty hunters. And I always just assumed that she was kind of like taking care of him. Okay, let me see. Like his what, guardian. Let's see what uh, Nonsensepedia, what the exact citation is. Well, that's the way you guys always described it to me because you watch this cartoon and I didn't. You would say that was the storyline. She was the one that was teaching him how to become a bounty hunter. She took yeah. him on. She took him under her wing. Under this her is, here's the here's the exact passage from it. It says, "When the boy was captured by Aura Singh, Dooku gave her the ship as payment, but Boba eventually recovered it." That's it. Uh, that, yeah, that just it just doesn't jive up with the the episode. I'm not okay. I mean, it's it's written here, so I'm not. I I'm not. I, I'm not yeah, I'm not saying it to argue with you. I'm yeah. giving you my source material because I've not seen the show. If this is the first you've ever heard the show, if you picked this up, not seeing our show before, I have not seen much of the Clone Wars, so th- th- I'm not arguing with Tim at all on this. That could certainly be right. I think it's, it's- funnier story to find out that he keeps losing the ship. <laughs> yeah. That's why I put it in this order I put it in. I'm curious if the person on Wikipedia that wrote this just wrote just poorly wrote it and Could be. maybe yep. none of this stuff actually happened. Cause you can, you can write anything. You can write. Well, apparently Jango you can't, you can't write long. anything about us on Wikipedia without it being yeah. taken down immediately. <laughs> Nonsense. Yeah. So yeah. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll go with it. Okay. If it's on, if it's on Wikipedia, it can't be nonsense. It makes the slave <laughs> one story funny, funnier. Yeah. In my opinion. Yeah. So this mission that they teamed up with, it led them to the planet Florum and Aura's former lover, the weekway part, Hondo Anaka. Is that part of Lee Strait? I'm her lover. Okay. So somewhere along here, after a skirmish with Plo Koon and Ahsoka Tano, Aura Singh tried to get away and slave one, but was foiled by Ahsoka. Says Ahsoka chopped off one of the wings? Is that right? Yeah. Wow. It was, it, it was, a, it was okay. a pretty cool episode, yeah. Okay. Well, the ship crashed. Hondo pulled Aura from the wreckage, and then he stole the ship. So he lost it again. <laughs> that's three now four if you count aurora aurora if you count aura taking off in it in the first place that's four altogether actually you know what this reminds me of this is like jack sparrow losing the The black Black pearl Pearl. yep over and over yep this is the last time i watched that man sail away with my ship (laughs) so hondo had it for a little bit and he actually gave it the green paint scheme that we've come to be introduced to slave one with in empire strikes back so that's where it got changed from blue and gold to rust and green according to my source material Rust and green, rust and I, green. I seem to remember him because Aura Singh basically abandoned Boba in that episode, and Boba was really upset. Like you abandoned me. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> Who me? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and I think he was really upset. But I think Hondo Onaka took it as payment. But I, I if I. I may be misremembering it, but I think he said, I'm going to hold on to this for you, but you'll get it back eventually. I'll get uh, it to you. Okay. I'll, I'll hold on to it for you. Eh, it's funnier that he lost it and didn't know what to do. It is funnier your way, yes. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> uh, well, okay. It, actually, that might fill in this gap better because it says Boba Fett later recovered Slave One again. 
I have noted no mention of how he got it, but that actually, I'll take that. I will add that to the story. He got it back from Hondo. I guess he was like uh, old enough to, I, I, again, smart enough to buy a club. Maybe he showed him a club and said, I got a club. And then he said, <laughs> yeah. okay, you can have it back now. It'll stop getting stolen so much. So at this point, he took it back to uh, Kuwait Drive Yards for some specific modifications and upgrades he wanted, presumably an anti-theft device. I need to change the timing belt. <laughs> belt. <laughs> so uh, what he had, what the modifications were at this point was, he had those two rapid-fire laser cannons that his father put in replaced with ion cannons and a concussion missile launcher, so one weapon on each side of the ship. He put in a miniature tractor beam, Tim. Timature. Timature. And he added some defense upgrades. He put in a sensor mask. That would make the ship make another ship that was scanning uh, think slave one was something else. Like I mentioned earlier, Dave, we we're talking about that scene. That that was where I got this from. And he also oh, added a jamming array to jam sensor. So there's another possibility. Maybe he just jammed them completely so that he didn't even see anything behind them. Okay, that that uh, probably somebody who whomever wrote this story maybe had a similar problem with that scene that he doesn't really make it all that inconspicuous that he's following him. And so we need to put something in here that takes care of that. Yep. So that, that sounds like what that's what happened to me. This mini tractor beam, I mean, does he, does he ever use that? Like, in, I mean, you certainly, like you said, you know, the ship isn't in the movies for that long, but it would be cool to see an instance where a ship that small, because it is pretty small, yeah. would be able to use a tractor beam on another ship. I'm going to guess it was a, because uh, a lot of this is coming from comics. I'm going to guess that that was a device put in to explain a tractor beam being used in a panel of a comic. You know what I mean? Huh. Right. It's like he just, the the writer of that particular comic, maybe even a book, mentions tractor beam. And it's like, okay, we'll just put it in with this lump <laughs> of upgrades that has happened off screen or off page. All right. Because even ships that are bigger than that in the movies, like the Millennium Falcon, they don't have tractor beams. Right. At least not that we know of. Maybe they do. I mean, maybe if people have retconned this to say that every ship could, could yeah, have, that, yep. have that capability. Yeah. I don't know. So um, now this actually leads us up to where what Slave One, the part Slave One played in Tracking the Millennium Falcon. They do mention it hiding in the garbage and chasing after him and landing at Cloud City. I didn't write those details out because we already know it. Uh, it goes into him finding Han Solo and taking him to Jabba. Now, here's where the story, the missing piece of the story that we don't have of seeing or that whatever you want to call it from not seeing it in Return of the Jedi, like we pretty much opened the show with. So at Bespin, uh, as he took off, the remaining IG-88 droid. Remember this whole clusterfuck? <laughs> oh, yes. yeah. IG-88D was aboard the ship, the IG-2000, and followed Boba and Slave One out of the atmosphere towards Jabba's palace, and while in pursuit, fired all weapons at it, completely decimating Slave One's shields and actually taking some, giving it a little bit of hole damage. He, IG-88D in the ship followed Boba and Slave One all the way into Tatooine's atmosphere. Once he finally got into the atmosphere, the two ships had a short dogfight, but uh, Boba was able to get the upper hand on him and finally blow away IG-2000. But Slave One was pretty beat up. Not wrecked, but pretty big, pretty beat up. So while Slave One survived, he uh, I should say it, Slave One survived long enough for him to deliver Han to Jabba, but it was in bad shape. So it was landed on one of Jabba's platforms near his palace, and that's kind of where it stayed during the whole event of the Sarlacc, which we know. So at this point, for all intent and purpose, I'm just going to say Boba Fett survived the Sarlacc. I'm not going to explain how it's come up in other stories. Just we got to accept that for the rest of the story to play out, if that's okay. <laughs> well, that so that's why you don't see it. Cause well, it's no, I'm getting I'm getting to that. If we if we believe that he he. Survive the Sarlacc. The next part of the story is going to explain the rest of it. Okay, I think I remember from the Tales from the Bounty Hunter novel. There, there is a whole big dogfight between Boba Fett and IG 
well, what I thought at least was IG88, isn't there? Like they, 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 yeah, that's probably where it comes from. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. If we accept he survived the Sarlacc, when two things happen, one, slave one was in no condition to take him really anywhere long distance from Tatooine. And number two, he kind of, Boba Fett kind of wanted to let the rumor of his death spread across the galaxy because that's going to give him an upper hand in a lot of cases. So, he stole Boss' ship, someone who did die in a sail barge, <laughs> one of the few people that died in a sail barge. He stole his ship called Smell the Houndstooth. You later. <laughs> the Houndstooth. So Slave One was pretty much parked behind Java's palace and stayed there throughout the whole movie. That's why we don't <laughs> see it. Oh. <laughs> huh. No, that's, that's nice. cool. <laughs> like I love I, I do like that kind of stuff when we do these backstories that like we're seeing something, but there's always just something off screen that explains something, like yep. explains explains a gap, and and this does that. So it is there. Yes. Maybe, just, maybe he just lost it. it. Yeah. Well, actually, what I he thought did, I parked it in this, Green Six. This is <laughs> I'm standing in Green Six, and I don't see it anywhere. This is yeah, actually but, this is actually kind of funny. After he once he kind of heals from his ordeal on the Sarlacc, and he's roaming the galaxy, and he's kind of got his plan together. On the houndstooth, he decides that Slave One is kind. Of, it's a little dangerous to leave Slave One there because even though it's beat up, there's a lot of like cool shit on there. They don't want anyone else to have. So he slices into it remotely and launches it into orbit around Tatooine and lets it just orbit Tatooine while he goes on with his life for a few years. It orbits for years. Yes. Yep. For years. Oh my, oh my god. He doesn't want to lose the stereo system. Yeah. Exactly. It. Yeah. It's a pioneer it's a with a remo- with a removable faceplate. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So, so for years, for years, he's using another ship called Slave Two. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> That's just funny to me. Slave Two. Slave Two. Which is, makes sense. <laughs> which is a uh, Mandel Motor Pursuer Class Enforcement ship. So it's not as heavily armed as Slave One, but it's still pretty well equipped and it has holding cells, major shielding, pretty much everything he needs as a bounty hunter. And he's roaming around the galaxy in this ship for a little while. <laughs> I think I saw it. Isn't there a, sla- a Slave Three? Wait, l- let, me, let me get to that. Okay. <laughs> me, right. That's coming up later. Okay. <laughs> okay. So. So after trawling around the galaxy, la 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 la, in Slave Two for a while, he's like, "Okay, I want Slave One back." So he goes back to Tatooine, gets it out of orbit, goes and gets it fixed, and and now Slave One is ready to go again. Back in action. Back in action, and now this is the next real big event in Slave One's life is when it comes closest to being fully destroyed. Uh. First big mission he does, he finds out that Han Solo, the bane of his existence, is on Nar Shaddaa. So he ambushes Solo and the Millennium Falcon at Nar Shaddaa, trying to enact his revenge, basically. He's not even trying to get a bounty. He just wants him to pay. So he, he damages the Falcon a little bit, but he doesn't incapacitate it. The big news that Boba didn't know was is that Han Solo had a lightning gun installed on the Falcon at this point. Lightning gun. Lightning gun, yep. And he fired it at Slave One. The power of light. Light, yep. And and this lightning gun apparently tore huge gaping holes in the Slave One. What is a lightning gun? Good question. Tried to find out. You click on lightning gun and it says a is a gun that was installed on a Millennium Falcon at forty ABY or some shit like that. That's it. <laughs> okay. But anyway, I guess it's pretty badass because it almost tore a slave one apart. So being surprised as hell, Fett very uncharacteristically turns tail, manages to escape Narshadad, get off planet, and he actually has to eject out of Slave One in its escape pod, which is another thing we didn't know they had. So he effectively, sorry, baby. He effectively abandons it at this point. But then years later, when the Yuzhan Vong War starts, Fett knew if he could salvage Slave One and repair it, it would be a pretty valuable asset and against the fight against Yuzhan Vong. So he goes and retrieves it, he repairs it, and he joins the fight. And what it did exactly, I don't know, but apparently it was a uh, good, what do you call it, asset to the war against Yuzhan Vong. Hmm. 
So after the Yuuzhan Vong War, Boba Fett continued to modify Slave 1. Now he added uh, some things to the decoy system that would trick enemy sensors into seeing a speeder bike on their sensors instead of Slave 1. And not one person ever said, what the fuck is a speeder bike doing in space? <laughs> so it shows up on their scanner as a tiny little speeder bike, bike. Yes, with, with no one riding it. I don't know. Even if it is, it, no one ever asked the question. Huh? There's a fucking speeder bike in the middle of deep space. Yeah. <laughs> what the hell's that doing here? <laughs> it's Gorf. What's up? Now the <laughs> and oddly enough, that is like one of the last recorded facts about Slave One because presumably. As Boba Fett continues to have stories written about him, there will be more about Slave One, but that is where, right now, at this point in time, March of 2016, where the story of Slave One ends. Really? Yep. Yep. But you expect, I maybe we all do, expect this to return in a big way. Oh, probably. yeah. Yep. Yep. All right. Yep. Uh, some kind of cool things uh, that we didn't really cover about Slave One. Uh, it had a, uh, it, it seems like a natural thing to have, but never considered. It had a bunk for like overnight or multi day travel so you could spend days and weeks and whatnot in there. <laughs> bunk bed, yep. bathroom, toilet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, it had a disintegrator shoot for that purpose. You shoot there down you a shoot and it disintegrates like Mr. Fusion, I guess. <laughs> uh, it actually had passenger seating below the cockpit. So if you had people that weren't prisoners, there was a deck below where we saw him pilot the ship where that's where people would sit and ride along with him. It was coach. He has yeah. no friends. Yeah. He's not going to have anyone there. With and when, him. They get, when they got on the ship and they said to little Boba Fett, where do we sit? And he went, there. there. <laughs> sit down. <laughs> on your ass. Uh, had a 40 metric ton cargo capacity and a six prisoner <laughs> holding shell cell, including a... Force cell to hold Jedi's. Sick. What? Yep. When did he catch Jedi? I don't know. It, none yeah. of the stories I told. How do you make a force cell? It's like it, it's it, that is a good question. I looked up force cell, and it's like it looks like almost looks like a back to tank, but like instead of glass, it was like an energy field. It was round, and it had a a top and a bottom, and the Jedi was like standing in there, like oh, I'm maybe so it's sad. like that that <laughs> oh. thing that Obi Wan is floating in when he maybe, has the bad, yeah, the, yeah. Ooh, the bad wig. <laughs> Maybe it's like the basement of Star Labs on the Flash, and they can just like put anybody in there, and they can't seem to get out. That's right. <laughs> now, watch that, Dave. The Flash. Do you really? Yeah. No, you don't. Yes, I do. That's an awesome show. I just, I just, we just learned as we were sitting here. If you attended the great Philadelphia Comic Con, oh, that yes. John Wesley's ship canceled. That's canceled. I'm, I'm bummed over that. So if if you're listening oh. to this after being bummed out by John Wesley's ship. We're with you, brother. <laughs> I don't know who that is. <laughs> uh, now, as we kind of just talked about a few minutes ago, there were more slave named slave ships. There was Slave 2, which I told you about. There was a Slave 3. You are correct, Chris. Now, what it was, there's nothing on it, no- nothing other than it just existed. Beyond <laughs> that, there was also a Slave 4. Oh, and it was called an amphibious interstellar assault transport. And if you were ever to use the word Pud knocker to describe a <laughs> ship. That's look up this ship. Look up Slave Four and tell me the word Pud knocker does not come to mind. Slave Four. I'm a slave for you. Good song. Pud knocker. Yeah. <laughs> That's the first thing I thought when I saw it. But most notably about Slave Four, and this is for Dave. Let's see it. Are you, you got you're looking it up. No, just Brittany comes. It's all up. Brittany. But <laughs> it's all Brittany. Yeah. Let me type in Slave Four Star Wars, maybe. Yeah. Slave are you using Roman numerals. I am Slave not. IV. Oh, there it is. I see it now. Sliviv. It's like a. It's like a, an airplane wings with a, like a jets going on, and then like a looks like a butt plug with engines. But exactly. Look at that thing. Oh, look at those things. Look at those things. There's Daniel Logan. We're just talking about him. There's Daniel. Oh, Daniel Logan is such a. He's probably a walking STD. That <laughs> <Yeah>. Oh. <laughs> Girls love him, man. Yeah, I can tell. <laughs> well, most notably about Slave 4, and I wrote this down for Dave, is that Boba Fett used Slave 4 to track down and capture Cardu uh, Samalak, or whatever his name is, Date one of Dave's favorite characters from the cantina. 
Uh, that was a ship that brought him back to whatever bounty he was going to and then thrown in that pit that was throat chewed open. Hopefully there was a mini bar in Slave 4 for him to <laughs> yeah, That's right. And a, and a jukebox. <laughs> and a jukebox and play his music. <laughs> you know, the, the, the toy, there was barely enough room to stick that little fake, yeah, right. that fake <laughs> Han Solo slab in there, let alone four Jedi, a and mini bar. And the Han Solo and slab was like half the height of an action figure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, really. <laughs> Not only was he frozen, he shrunk. Yeah. Which is ironic because he gained weight when he was thawed out. A <laughs> uh, little funny. bit of behind the scenes. Um, there's two tales told about its design inspiration. And the first was that it was inspired by a lamppost outside what? the ILM building. Lamppost? Like the light on the end of it? A lamppost? Think of, the, think of a street lamp, street light. Yeah. And think how the, the end of it where the light is that's kind of what they're talking about okay uh okay no I, I, when you first said lamppost i was singing like the old-fashioned ones. no like, no 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 you mean like a more modern yeah lamppost. yeah like one that hangs over the street i get it oh chris has uh, a cool diagram yeah with, I just like, saw this. with the whole thing cross-section yeah so that's where i got kind inside. of those those last bits bits and pieces from Still uh, not a lot of room in there. No, no. <laughs> um, Empire Strikes Back assistant art director. I'm going to slaughter this name. Sorry, dude. Uh, Nilo Rodis Jamero reported that the inspiration was actually a radar dish, and it was just pointed out later after it's already designed the street lamp resemblance. So either either one works. I can see where both come from. I'm not going to argue either one is right or the other. Uh, if he says that's what it was, I'll go with his story. That's fine with me. Uh, we talked a little bit about the fact we talked about this throughout the entire show. It was a kick-ass toy in about every version it's ever come out with, from the first Kenner generation, Power of the Force, even the Lego one yeah. is pretty oh, damn yeah. cool. Yeah, that's one of the only things I kept of all the toys I sold. I still have mine upstairs. And you would, yeah, like you when, once you learned how it was supposed to go, it had a lever in there to move him. Like you put him in the seat, you'd crank the lever back so he could see out the window. <laughs> right. And then the w- the wings would lock when you pulled the little trigger on the handle. And then once it started to fly, if you wanted th- the wings to flip down into another position, you'd just let go of the trigger. Okay. It was so cool. It was like there was articulation to it. It came with that cool little slab. That little door that used to fall out all the time, the little black <laughs> sliding door. No. They, like that that would fall out a lot, but it was really, really, really well done. Um, yeah, one of the only things I kept. It didn't make noise. I mean, there was no noise or batteries involved. Gotcha. Yeah. But something else my dad had to put the decals on. I was <laughs> pissed off, I'm sure. <laughs> well, with that, that is all I got for the story of Slave One. A damn good story, man. Thank you. Yeah. I didn't write it. <laughs> It'd be funny if it was like, good, I just made all that shit. <laughs> it's, it's all April Fool's Day. Um, do you got some feedback, too? You know what? I was wondering, uh, I was thinking about how to do that here in these last moments. And, and since this is a special episode... I'm going to invite feedback. Now, if you are, if you're just, if you've not heard our show before, and this is the first you're picking this episode up, be it on CD or direct download, uh, what we do is we go through emails and iTunes reviews and Facebook posts and share what we've, uh, messages we've gotten in the community. So if you have listened to this for the first time and you're enjoying it, check out our Facebook page. It's facebook.com slash stars and character. Check out our home website, neozaz.com. That is the podcast network that hosts Stars and Character. You can fill out our contact form there, and it'll definitely get to us. In fact, it'll get to me, to be real specific, so we'll get the message. And, of course, we appreciate any review on iTunes. So any of those ways, you can contact us, and we will share it and make you part of the show. If you are already a listener and know who we are and have listened to the show and you've just listened to this feel free to send us feedback on this episode as well and we'll share it in a future episode so that i think is the best way to approach feedback in a special episode like this which i just did so there you go that's good now hopefully if you were there and you were and you have this in your hands chris whom I'm sure you met, didn't say anything offensive. <laughs> yeah. I said, we're there. You may yeah. have asked if your wife is your mother. 
<laughs> He's done I other did conventions. Do that. <laughs> I did do that. US, yeah. What was it? Did Man, you that was an all that was an awkward. Uh, tell that story. I I I might just remember. Did I say? Did you bring? Is this your mom? Did yes. you bring your mom? And he was like, "No, it's my wife." The woman was right there. <laughs> it's not like she was down the hall or anything. She was standing three feet from you. But I think because he looked really young is why I said that. Mm-hmm. Not because she was older. Not because no, she was in a walker. No, <laughs> that was yeah. If if you're at the show, I want you to tell us your stories of who you met and if they were nice and sign your autograph. Where were they? Where you asked them to sign? That's right. <laughs> yeah. You know, Julian Glover. Yeah. Um, who who else is there? Ray Tim, Park. Tim Rose. Tim Rose. Yeah. Who else? We're uh, Deep Roy. Deep Roy. Yes. And us. And <laughs> us. And, and we'll sign anything you want. And Chris, and Chris from Stories and Character. Matt will be there most likely, right? If, yeah, it looks like I'm going to be there. If That's you coming for sure. If you can't find me, I'm probably hovering around Amy Jo Johnson's table. Oh. <laughs> Tim may or may not be there. So you, when, Hopefully I'm there. In listening to this, you may have met all four of us, and uh, I'm sure... You know, your life is forever, was forever last, changed. <laughs> yeah. was the, That's a good way last, to put it. When's the last time the four of us like were actually together at a An convention? Event? Probably yeah, Celebration actually. Six. Yeah, that's yeah. that's that's a way, way back. Yeah, so yeah, so go back. You like we've done other shows and like like they just said we did a live show for several hundred people at Star Wars Celebration Six in Orlando. You could see any of that stuff on our YouTube channel. Go back and listen to old episodes on iTunes or on neozes.com. Um, there's, wow. There's lots of ways to go back and I, catch up on episodes if you like what you've heard. I just noticed we're on the front page of the Great Philadelphia Comic Con website That's now. That's right. It must have had we're a lot time. of cancellations. Yeah, they must have, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure if you picked this up and we were there, Matt and I were probably drinking you know, what, happened, what are we going to do if they don't sell beer at this thing, Dave? We'll bring our own. Oh, okay. <laughs> Hell, I'll make Habanero mine. scoping for everybody. <laughs> I'll make moonshine in, in the sink in a men's room. <laughs> Tim will be stalking mm-hmm. the ladies. Like always. Ladies. Tim might get, get some action when he's there. Hopefully you get a chance to smell Tim's finger. Oh. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> um... And we can go do a little trivia round? Yeah, we always do a little trivia. Yep. Let's do a little trivia. Play along. Play along. Play along. And if you're using this as a coaster by now and it's a CD, we, ho- we hope it's keeping your table safe. <laughs> yeah. All right. I've got the, um, just again, if you're a new listener, every 25 episodes we reset trivia and declare a winner at that, that last episode. We've been doing different. What has it been now? Like four, four different sources. We did Obsessed with Star Wars, The Sound of Star Wars, then the Kevin Lyle trivia. There Trilla was, Pursuit was one, our first one, I think. There's right? one I'm missing there. What was it? We did Trilla Trilla Pursuit. Just regular Trilla Pursuit. Oh yeah, yeah. We did. Yeah. Um, we did one that was the oh, sound of do, Star yeah, Wars. Yeah, we had to do seven of them. Seven of them all together now. I, 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 I miscounted I, there. I wrote questions for an entire round just for you guys, and then Chris took we did, something. From we a did boat. like a yeah. betting version, like we could bet our points. Uh, yeah, like yeah, we yeah. Did, we've done it, it changes every twenty five, uh, every twenty five rounds. So, but for this one, just to give you a sense of how the show flow goes, I've got the obsessed with Star Wars book, and we're going to ask us four questions out of this. So, who is going to go first? Let's keep the same order. Chris, you're first. Okay. Chris, you got eight, nine, seven. Eight, nine, seven. Which looks like it is... I believe this is the... Yes, it is. Revenge of the Sith era. Oh, boy. Eight, nine, seven. That is eight, seven, nine. Hold on. Let me flip a couple pages. Still Revenge of the Sith era. Oh, God. Sorry. In which form of lightsaber combat was Mace Windu a master? Is it A... That pad. B. Thank God, his choices. B. Cheyenne. C. Shai Chow. D. Aturo. Aturo. Sorry, I don't want to get say it wrong. You might be. You might mess you up. Aturo. Chonai. That'll mess him up. If all else fails, I'm going with C. Shai Chow. That's almost yes. like that's almost Shonai Chonai. I know. I know. Chonai. Chonai Monai. Let's see. Let's see if I can get the speaker close to the mic. Come on. What the hell? What? 
Easy day. Oh, there we go. Oh, wait. Ah, oh, just reset. Ask me another one. Yeah, let's do this again. I, I don't know how to work this thing, apparently. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. My bad. Okay, 828. <laughs> I'm just going to leave all that in. <laughs> if you know what that answer was, send us some feedback. Because yeah, we don't know. Eight twenty-eight. Attack of the Clone era. You're not not doing oh, any better. Even better. Yeah. If you're in your car listening to this on your CD player, and you know, come running back inside. Yeah. And tell us. <laughs> <laughs> Who was the first assistant director for Attack of the Clones? A. Paul Sullivan. B. Claire Richardson. C. Fred Myers. Or D. James Matigue. Oh my God. Assistant director. Walter Skinner. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, Tim, what are you laughing at? Tim, do you know this? Tim, if you know this, you're an ass. No. X Files <laughs> joke, Tim. Um. Ah, uh, whatever. I'm going. I'm going to go with D this time. All right. Yeah! There you go. <laughs> I'm awesome. Good job. I bet you don't even know what D is. You're correct. <laughs> You, if I'll give you, James something. I'll give you 10 bucks if you can tell me the guy's first and last name. James he, something. He was right. It's James something. Yeah. James Matigi. Matigue. James Matidi. Nope. All right. That means it's my turn. All right. Come on. Give me a... Come on, you stupid... This thing sucks. <laughs> I just went on the record saying that. Oops. I think the batteries are dying on this. I think that's the problem. Ah. Bad, bad. Battery. <laughs> <laughs> what is this doing? This thing sucks. Tim, where's yours at, Tim? Did you have yours nearby? What, I don't have a okay. Star Wars. I have the sounds hey, of Star Wars. Hey, Chris. What, <laughs> what is with baby Boba Fett sees a sheep? What does he say it says? <laughs> Baba. Back to <laughs> All right, 9.32. This is Revenge of the Sith era. Is this Dave's? Yes. Okay. Where is Rastal Sant from? A, <laughs> Newborn Nelax. B, Vorzid V, or 5, I guess that is. Vorzid 5. C, Datooine. D, oh boy, Moonlinst. 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 I'm going to say C because it's the only place I heard of. C. <laughs> oh, it is B something, whatever that is. What's, what's Daniel Lo Logan's favorite Michael Jackson album? B. <laughs> Bye. 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 <laughs> Man in the mirror. <laughs> All right, who's next? Off the wall. <laughs> wall. Off. <laughs> what's, what's, what's Daniel Logan's favorite comical magazine? Ma. <laughs> <laughs> or his favorite post-apocalyptic movie about gasoline? Mama. <laughs> Oh my god! I hope he never hears this. <laughs> what's what's his what's his favorite trash bag? Glass. <laughs> <laughs> what does he say after he performs a magic trick? Ta-da! Ta-da! <laughs> his favorite type of reggae-inspired music? Oh my god, that's a good one. Ska. <laughs> what if Tim Tim what if he played um Count Dragon what would he say? What's, uh, uh, uh. what's his favorite boxing punch? Oh Count Dracula or Count Count Dracula. What'd you say, Matt? Favorite his bo favorite boxing punch. Job <laughs> And if you were to ask him, what do women use to uh, contain their breasts? Bruh! <laughs> <laughs> What's his uh, favorite um, shirt pattern? The shirt pattern. 
Paisley? No. <laughs> Blood. <laughs> what would he call his friend in Russian? Vlad. <laughs> I was thinking, camera. <laughs> Matt, it's your turn. <laughs> okay. Twelve thirty-four. Revenge of the Sith era. Uh, into what did Emperor Palpatine reorganize the Republic? A. The First Galactic Senate. B. Second Galactic Empire. C. Third. Galactic Empire. Third? Oh, that's funny. D, the New Republic. That's mm, A or D. I'm going to go with A. Oh. Yay! Ooh. I know stuff. All right. Who's left? Tim? I'm Tim. left. Two, that's three, it. Three, three, five. Two, three, three, five. That's way back here. Hold on. This might be the first I ever used this book. It doesn't look like a page has ever been turned in this. <laughs> you like are in Return like of the Jedi era. What's that? Yay! I like Chris's uh, yeah, Star Wars encyclopedia about him. Three yeah. volume set. They're awesome, actually. Mm -hmm. How many stories tall is the tower in Jabba the Hutt's palace? A6. How many stories tall? A6, B12, C9, D11. I'm going to say nine. Which one is it? Nine! Nine! C. All right, let's see. Again. You son of a bitch. There you go. Yay! Nine stories. Yay. Man, who got it wrong on this episode? Just me. Okay. Aw. That's too bad. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sad. <laughs> Don't get mad. <laughs> then he just looks you in the eye. Get even. <laughs> <laughs> well, hope everyone had a good time at the Great Philadelphia Comic Con, Dave. Yeah, it was a little chilly in there. It was, and the food. Remember the food? The food wasn't great. No. The bathrooms were not always well stocked but everybody seemed pretty nice one of my stalls had a hole in it <laughs> yeah what'd you do I looked in the Plugged hole <laughs> and I got hit in the eye you got hit in, the, in, in my one eye with, with a one eye <laughs> on account of the eye <clears throat> well great job Matt slave one in the books thank you Indeed. <laughs> and all of our Patreon supporters will be enjoying this as well we will add this to the the ones that uh, do the exclusive collection for the people that support at that tier, which escapes me at the moment. But they'll have already heard that. Probably they hear the exit music now, and I've already turned this off, so they didn't hear me totally flub that anyway. Well, Dave, what was your favorite part, your favorite guest? My favorite part <laughs> was when you walked right over to Deep Roy and punched him dead in the face. Who? Deep Roy. Uh, Deep My favorite part was meeting... Whomever's listening to this right now, you were the best part. <laughs> and I'm talking just to you. You know who you are. Thank Aww, you for Mike, stopping. Lucy, <laughs> David. Fred, I'm editing Craig. it right now and I'm very happy. <laughs> Thank you for, for stopping by. It was a thin <laughs> slice of heaven. Thank it was, you. It was great meeting you all at the Great Philadelphia Comic Con. Philadelphia Freedom. Which wasn't really in Philadelphia. Amy J. Yeah, Johnson, great, call me. Great, great Oaks Comic Con. I yeah. <laughs> That's it. Ba -da -ba -ba Dun. Duh. 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 <laughs> Thanks for listening to Star Wars in Character. Star Wars in Character is part of the NeoZaz.com network of podcasts. For more great podcasts and original entertainment, please visit www.neozaz.com. Star Wars in Character is not affiliated with nor endorsed by Lucasfilm Limited or 20th Century Fox. Star Wars and all Star Wars universe characters, places, or Star Wars related items are the copyright of Lucasfilm Limited or their respective trademark and copyright holders. Visit 
www.swic.neozaz.com for the latest Star Wars in character episodes and information.